Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. Great. Well, it's Make a Difference Sunday, and I have to say that this is possibly my favorite Sunday of the whole year because I love Make a Difference. I love that as a church, we get to partner with something that is bigger than us, that we get to take our eyes off ourselves and we get to look out to the world that we live in just as we have been called to do. It's our mandate, isn't it? As followers of Christ, as Christians, that we love our neighbors, that we proclaim the gospel that we try and that we make disciples of all nations. And this is all part of that. That's all part of this outworking. This is why we do Make a Difference. For anyone who has not been for a Make a Difference service before, Make a Difference is an annual offering that we take across all of our different Alive locations. So all the different Alive locations today are doing this as well. It's not just us. And it's all about, like I say, making an impact in the areas that we live in. So it's locally. We do it nationally. And we also partner internationally. And it's part of our vision as a live church. It's part of who we are, what we want to be. And this is a a portion from our vision. It says that we are a church readily working in partnership with other churches and ministries for the advancement of God's kingdom. A church with a heart for the poor and marginalized who are determined to bring transformation to people's lives. And this is why we take our Make a Difference offering. And we work in partnerships because at Alive, we don't just want to treat the symptoms, but we want to treat the cause. We don't just want to throw money at people. We want to work in partnerships with people on the ground, people who know the situations, the climate, everything about those areas, because we want to make sure that we're stewarding what we give properly, that it really will go and make a difference to people's lives. So we want to make sure that we break people out of cycles of poverty, out of cycles of addiction out of cycles of loneliness, not just throw some money at it and hope that it will go away, but we work with partnership with fantastic organizations who are specialists in those areas. And like I said earlier, it's split into three areas. So locally, nationally, and internationally. And locally, here in Newark, we outwork some of that vision through butterflies. If anyone who doesn't know what butterflies is, it's fantastic. It's an incredible women's um, gathering that happens every other week. And Penny and incredible team lead that. And we're going to hear more from Penny later. They do such an incredible job. And it's gathering together women who are maybe vulnerable, maybe lonely, maybe women who just want someone to talk to and they um, they look after each other and they give women a space to be pampered and cared for and looked after and then also we have been in Magnus for a little while now haven't we and it's great to be here and we fully believe that God has placed us in this school for a reason it's not just a venue for us although it is a great venue it's so much more we want this to be a partnership and we believe that God has put us here for such a time as this we believe that he has called us here for partnership and so at the moment we don't know exactly what that looks like but that's going to be part of our offering today that we take in is going to go into this partnership with Magnus we're going to start that 
by running a discovery course with Magnus School, and that's going to help us identify the areas of needs and the skills that we have in our community, because Magnus is a hub, isn't it? It's not just a school for students, but if you've ever been here in an evening to any of the other things that we do here, this school is buzzing. There's so much going on here, and this is a real gateway, a doorway into the rest of Newark as a community. And then nationally, we partner with Battelle, and we've got some guys from Battelle here today. You're so welcome. Thank you for joining us. We've got Jess and John and Darren. Yes, wonderful. Um, and they're going to, again, be sharing with us a bit later. And for anyone who doesn't know, Battelle is a Christian organization, and they work with people who have been in any kind of addiction, drug or alcohol or homelessness, and they bring them into restoration, and they get new lives, and they teach them about Jesus, and it's just incredible work. But I'm not going to go on about that too much because the guys who actually go there and work there can tell us more about that than I can. And then internationally, we heard a bit about this last week. We partner with Tia Fund, a fantastic international Christian charity, into Ethiopia. Um, we work with the Calais Highwit Church into Ethiopia, and we help with these self-help groups. So the idea, again, is not treating the symptoms, but going straight for the cause and helping to lift whole communities out of the cycle of poverty. And it's fantastic work that's happening over there. And last week, we heard on a video from a wonderful lady called Sai Philippos, and she was telling us a story about how she'd gone into hospital, and there were some complications giving birth, and her medical bills were bigger than expected and so she had to go to a loan shark to borrow some money but the loan shark put on lots and lots of debt lots of interest we've all seen those adverts haven't we 1,200% APR. Um, and so she had this huge amount of interest on this debt, and she was just stuck in this cycle of never going to be able to pay it off. And she joined a self-help group, and she put away, we're probably talking pence a week. And then it, she was able to take out a loan from this group of people, about 15 to 20 people that were all also putting in their money. And she was able to start making butter. And she sold the butter, and she made a profit. And then she used her profit and another loan to buy a cow and now she has multiple cows she's been able to pay off all of her debts and she's lifted her whole family out of poverty so the work of make a difference is so powerful and we're all part of that this year the money that was raised last year we've seen incredible things happen from that and now we're looking forward to our next year our next phase of make a difference and we're going to be looking today at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's the same one that we looked at last week. Don't worry, I'm not going to repeat everything that we heard last week. Um, so it's in John 6, 1 to 14. And we're going to use this, some points from here. We've got three points because every good preach should have three points, right? Am I right? Um, and we're going to use those to help us understand how we can partner with God to see miracles in our locality in our country and in this world. So I'm just going to turn to John 6, 1 to 14. We go. So Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you have Bibles, I'd love you to follow along with me, but it will also be on the screen behind me. 
Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. What an amazing miracle. And this is the only miracle that's in all four of gospel accounts of Jesus' lives, other than the re resurrection, but it's the only one that's in all four gospel accounts. And it's also worth saying at this point that this isn't a parable. This is an account of a miracle performed by Jesus. This is true. This happened. It's also Jesus's largest miracle in terms of numbers of people involved. So we read that it's the feeding of the 5,000, but actually that's only the men that they counted. And so most scholars believe that it was around 15,000 people that were fed with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Even more impressive. I don't know why they don't change it. <laughs> so the first point that I want to pick up from these verses, from this incredible account of this miracle, is blessed. Verse 11 says, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So Jesus took these breads and these, these, this bread and the fish, and he gave thanks to them. Almost like we do when we start a meal and we might say grace, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food. But he went beyond that. He thanked God for the food and he fully believed that God would provide, that God the miraculous would provide enough food for everybody there, that God the provider would not fall short. And so the disciples came, they placed the loaves and the fish in the hands of Jesus, and then Jesus blessed them. And then that's when we see the miracle. And we as disciples, we, anyone who follows Jesus as a disciple, we as disciples have things that we can bring into the hands of Jesus and ask for them to be blessed. And that is when we see miracles happen. And it doesn't always have to be our finances. Sometimes it's our time, our skills, the things that we're good at, our talents, our treasures, all these things. We've all got something that we can place into the hands of Jesus. And as a local community, 
community of believers, as lots of people here in this room, there are many gifts, many talents, many treasures that can be pulled together to see an incredible miracle happen. Is this lower than normal? Feels pretty low. (laughs) Yes, please, Ollie, that would be fantastic. There we go. That, I can actually read it now. Look at that. <laughs> so, yeah, so when we place what we have into the hands of Jesus, um, that releases something extraordinary out of our ordinary. What we have to bring is ordinary. We're ordinary people. But when we put it into the hands of Jesus, that's when it becomes extraordinary. And I'm going to invite Penny to come up. Penny leads our Butterflies team with an incredible team. I know she doesn't do it alone, and she'll be the first one to say that. And actually, what Butterflies is, on the outside is is pretty ordinary we gather together ordinary women um, and they drink ordinary hot drinks and they eat delicious but ordinary cakes and they do ordinary crafts but actually when we put it into the hands of Jesus and we say bless this God make this extraordinary we'll do what we can do you do what you can do that's when we see the extraordinary so Penny if you want to come up Penny's got some stories of how the very ordinary has been blessed by Jesus and just become extraordinary I think we've got a mic for you here Penny here we go Fantastic. I just want to say thank you before we start, Penny. Thank you for what you do leading Butterflies. It's a it's an example of you using your time, your talents and your treasures to, to bless people around you. Thank you. It's a real privilege to be able to, um, to do that for everyone. So um, I just was thinking there as Olivia was speaking, you know, at the beginning of each session of Butterflies, we, we pray and we always ask that God will be there with us and that he'll bless the ladies that he can and that um, he'll bring the right ladies to us who just need something, a little touch from God that day. So these are just a few little things really that happen beneath the surface, um, beneath the surface of pampering and crafts and tea and cake and chatting and friendship (laughs) and things. So um, we're we're sowing seeds. I mean, sometimes it just feels like we're we're just sowing like little small seeds, um, giving time and love. just some respite for, for the ladies from the problems of their, their daily life. Um, we're building, building relationships and, and gaining their trust. Um, we have lots of opportunities to serve the ladies, and we've also got wonderful volunteers who are so caring um, and faithful in, in serving God in this way. Uh, the ladies who come have many, many different needs. Um, there's quite a lot of physical illnesses. Um, some with quite severe disabilities, um, loneliness, uh, mental health um, problems, anxiety and depression. So, um, yeah, quite a mixture, really. Um, uh, one of the ladies um, uh, used to come with her carer. Um, she, she was really very, very um, low, I think, in mood, and she struggled to look at any of us. She always had her head down and wouldn't really look up and wouldn't look anybody in the eye. Um, she's been coming to Butterflies, and uh, she's really grown in, in confidence, and now she's able to come on her own, which we're really, really pleased about because, um, yeah, so that's been one really good uh, thing that's happened. Um, another lady with physical disabilities, she comes on a motor scooter 
Um, her employer um, gave her time, to, uh, given her time off work to come to Butterflies because the employer really believes that Butterflies will, will help her in some way. So, uh, yeah, so that's been brilliant. Um, and also um, some of the community psychiatric nurses in the town, they're also recommending um, butterflies to some of, their, some of their patients. So, yeah, that's been really good as well. Um, during the, the course of butterflies, we do have some opportunities to pray with the ladies. We, offer, we ask them you know, if they'd like us to pray because um, they open up quite easily and talk about their problems and things. And we're able to talk about our faith and our own little stories um, and sometimes we can offer um, practical help um, as well, like going to um, one of the volunteers was able to offer to go on a hospital visit with one of the ladies the other week. So it's doing kind of practical stuff as well. And I just want to finish with um, saying about Helen and Cheryl. They took one of the ladies who has a chronic illness, who... Um, lives on her own and she's not been able to go away or have a weekend away or anything like that for a very long time. Helen and Cheryl took her away to the coast for um, a weekend and she had the time of her life so that was brilliant. That is fantastic, thank you. Brilliant. I loved what Penny said right at the beginning there. She said that um, before we start, we always pray and we always put into the hands of God what we're going to do and we ask God to bless those ladies. And that's just such an example of what Jesus did with this tiny amount of food. He just took it into his hands and he blessed it and he asked God for a miracle and he fully believed it. We're seeing miracles in these women's lives who are being set free from difficult things and able to share the gospel with them that's fantastic penny thank you so much and uh, my second point point number two is empowered again in verse 11 we read that jesus took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish so we see here that jesus performs the miracle but he gets the disciples to administer it he wants the disciples to be empowered to be part of that miracle he doesn't just want them to think oh only jesus performs miracles because like we read earlier in the passage it's close to passover and jesus knows what's going to happen around the passover he won't be there anymore and so he wants to empower the disciples to know that they can be part of his miracles and that's just the same I know I keep saying this but when we put into the hands of Jesus what we have our time our talents and our treasures we ask for it to be blessed he then empowers us most of the time to be the ones to carry out those miracles we can't perform miracles but we serve a God who can and he wants to empower us to do it because God is a relational God we see it all throughout the Bible God always uses people to outwork his miracles. He is a relational God. And we have a quote here from Abraham Heschel, who's a Jewish philosopher and theologian. And he says, mankind is not only made in the image of God, they are the perpetual concern of God. Mankind is not only made in the image of God, they are the perpetual concern of God. We are all made in the image of God. All of us here, everyone in Ethiopia, everyone who goes to Battelle, everyone who goes to Butterflies, we are all made in the image of God and we are all cared for by God. So God is supremely relational. 
He wants to empower us, all of us, to be part of his miracles and to work together to lift each other out of poverty and addiction and loneliness. God wants to be relationally part of the solution. And we have the opportunity to partner with him today, to be empowered, to be part of that. And from the the video that we watched from Ethiopia last week, there was just this fantastic line that I wanted to pull out of there. And again, it was from the same lady I spoke spoke about right at the beginning, Sai Philippos, and she said, I was always waiting for someone to come and help me, but now I can help myself. And I thought that's so wonderful. That's so, that line just sums up what we want to do as part of Make a Difference. That she is now able to help herself, but not only herself, she's now able to help her family. She's now able to help other people in her community. She continues to put into the savings account. That means that someone else can take out a loan, that they can start their own business. That means that they can lift themselves and their family and their community out of poverty. And the cycle just goes on and on. It's like when you drop a a stone into a pond or a, or a river or a lake and you watch the ripples from that one stone just grow and grow and grow. And so I want to invite up now um, John, who's come with, from Battelle to share with us, to just tell us a bit more about the work of Battelle, um, also a bit about his story and some incredible stories of how relationally people have been involved in his miracle and picked him up. Thank you, John. Good morning, Alive Church. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Thank you for letting us share. And thank you for your support over the years. Um, I'm going to read from some, some notes. I've been in bed for three days. This is the first time I've got out. So I thought I better make some notes so I don't go off on a tangent. So Battelle basically began in 1985. Uh, some missionaries went to Spain. And uh, some wet missionaries and... Battelle now has spread over 25 countries, uh, 100 cities worldwide. Um, 250,000 addicts have come through our doors. Um, We have at the moment 2,500 residents in our centres around the world. Uh, Men and women living in community centres, Christian community centres. There's nearly 500 of us here in Britain. Uh, there's 83 of us in knots. Um, you could say we get on each other's toes. I won't say nerves, but we do get on top of each other a little bit. I'm glad you lifted this table up a bit, otherwise I'd be... Yeah. Um, so these men and women come from a background of abuse, prison, gangsters, crack addicts, heroin addicts, alcoholics... Uh, there's a new drug out now. They, they, they used to be called legal highs, but are illegal now. That just zombify our, zombify our young men. And um, this is what we're seeing coming into our community centres community throughout the country. We're based in Birmingham, Hexham, Derby, Manchester. We've got places in Coventry, Grantham, uh, Scotland and Nottingham. And in most cases, those that want to come to our centres, they can go through an interview with Ethel in the office, and they can, in most cases, they can come in the very next day, completely free of charge. We receive no government funding. 85 to 90% of the proceeds are raised by our charitable businesses, with all proceeds going towards paying for our charity 
and uh, residence expenses. Grants and donations cover the remaining 10 to 15% of the costs. Part of the recovery process is character transformation and developing new skills. Um, the, the first, the, one of the first and main points, addicts struggle with relationship. And living in Christian communities, we're able to put them together to live together. They're almost forced into relationship. No one really likes that, but if they don't, we, we can easily isolate, hide away the shame covers, and we, we, we just live in a world of our own. Business and work is a big part of um, Battelle. We have furniture shops. Uh, we restore furniture. We do removals, uh, upholstering. Uh, we have our cafe in uh, a life church in Lincoln. Um, and we do a lot of gardening work, tree surgery, and landscaping. And our re residents will participate in some area of work daily and learn new skills and learn to function in the workplace. It's also a good way of discipleship, getting people alongside you um, and passing on a skill and passing on what you yourself have received from God. And through the ongoing process of discipleship over a period of time, our residents are then entrusted with more and more responsibility. And they themselves are, are able to manage shops, uh, lead garden teams, lead other projects, house leaderships. So it's always an ongoing thing. Devo this, excuse me. <coughs> Devotionals play a big part in our uh, discipleship daily. Um, every morning we'll do a devotional where those that have been with us a long time will participate in opening the meeting, sharing testimonies, and through time and discernment, um, they then give the devotional themselves. Um, quiet times are structured into our daily lives. Uh, these guys probably haven't read books for years, or some of them aren't, so getting the minds working, get them to seek themselves, get them to feed themselves, and, and just structuring that into the day life. Weekly Bible classes, uh, Friday, uh, Sunday morning church services and conferences we have in Birmingham uh, four times a year, which we get a guest speaker in, a guest teacher, and we all get together. So that's a bit of the background of Battelle. I know you like stories, so I'm going to share a story. Um, the power of God, uh, what God can do. So 22 years ago, um, I was sat in a burns unit in Withington Hospital in Manchester. Um, I'd been on heroin for years, um, and at the lowest point in my life, in complete despair, I decided to take um, a litre of petrol and douse myself in it and set myself alight. And I was, the fire was put out by two security guards at the psychiatric ward. And they took me to Withington Hospital in Manchester, which was actually the place where I was born. And I remember sitting there saying, I don't want to live. But I didn't want to die either. I wanted to change. But I never could. I never went to church. I didn't know any Christian people. I never read Christian books. I never read the Bible. But something inspired me to pray. I think it was a funeral that I'd been to a few weeks previous. I remember saying to God, God, if you exist, if you exist, help me. Because I don't want to do bad stuff. 
I want to do what's right. I want to. I want to change. I want to. I want to be a good person. That was my prayer. I prayed it three times. The scars healed. I was um, discharged from the hospital, and things was about to get from bad to worse. My friends didn't want to know me anymore. They wouldn't let me in the house. They said I was a danger to to myself and to others. The local council said they wouldn't give me a place to live. They said, you're a danger to yourself and others. The only place they would give me was on a housing estate, a block of flats, with the worst and the worst of it, on, a, on, a, on, an, on an estate, a warden-controlled flat where those two police officers were shot in 2014. They said, that's all you can have. I says, I'd rather sleep on the street. And I was looking, that, that's what I was facing. That was my future. With all the messed up life, with nobody wanting to know me, that's what I was looking at. I could not see any way out. Incidentally, my, my town is the highest rate in the country for suicide amongst young men. In Greater Manchester, my town is the highest rate. And that's what I was looking at. People just don't see the way out. Young men in this country get to a place where they don't see a way out. And there's a great song out at the moment. It's called Waymaker. And Jesus, unbeknown to me, through a series of events, I can't go into all the details because I'll be here all day, took me to a place in East London, a Christian community, where very soon as I entered into that Christian community, I encountered Jesus. It, it completely turned my life around, set my life on a course that was completely and utterly a way that would lead to life, that would set me free, the power of God would work in my life, and I would change. Okay. I spent eight years with them. I went to Mission, Philippines, Israel. I spent time in Hong Kong where I met my beautiful wife, and then I left. I came to live in Newark. I, knew, I know some, I've got friends in your church. And they remember those days when I came to live in Newark. I've done work for them. I set up my own business, building work. I went to a local church in Southwell. Some of you know it. It's part of ground, ground level. And I, 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 thought I, was, I thought I was being quite successful. But what had happened, I took my eyes off Jesus. I started to put my eyes on people in this world who seemed to be successful, who seemed to, who seemed to have have it all, the health and all. There's a great psalm in the Bible, I won't go into that, but my eyes had taken off Jesus. I put it on people in the world, and I was started to get entangled back up in alcohol and drugs and things like that. And I went right down. Five years, I nearly lost my marriage. My life was broken again. I lost everything. And to cut a long story short, a door opened with Battelle in Nottingham. And I went in, and I had to be stripped right back, back to the basics, and rebuild my life. I've been there five and a half years. I'm part of the leadership team over there. My wife came to move in, so we restored my marriage, we restored my life. And it continues to... Um, you find out what's important, don't you? You find out where you need to have your eyes. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to God, and I haven't gone on too long, have I? No. Um, <laughs> But that, that's what Battelle is. It gives, you a, it gives you a starting point, but it doesn't end. It just brings you on and on and on and on and on. And you can go as far as you need to go. Amen. So thanks for your support. Thanks for letting us share. 
Bless you. Thank you. Darren, want to come up and just share a bit of your story as well? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Morning. Um, well, where do I start? How can I come up here and not thank Jesus for life? You know, truly thank him with all my heart for life, new beginnings, you know, for bringing me from such a place of despair and setting my feet on solid rock. He really has. He truly has. Um, my life was quite a mess. Before 2013, uh, I was um, from a young age. I was uh, in a lot of trouble, doing things obsessively and compulsively, and uh, really just a complete downward spiral. Um, and as life went on, I was I was into drugs, heavily into drugs and uh, crime, um, all the things you, you wouldn't want your your children getting up to, you know. Uh, a lot of violence, injecting drugs, copious amounts. I was involved in firearms and knife crimes and in and out of jail, uh, sections, 24-hour care, care homes for mentally ill. Um, I had a failed marriage. Uh, I failed my children, you know. I was, I was just a complete selfish mess. And I was really caught up in so much mayhem. Uh, but, you know, Jesus came and plucked me out of that in 2013. You know, he found me in the mess and he brought me to Battelle. Uh, and my life started to change pretty rapidly. But um, it, was a, it was a real, it was a start of a, a new journey, you know. But there was a lot of wrestling with God involved in that journey. You know, it was a lot of. Um, a lot of stuff that had to be dealt with, deep-rooted issues in my heart, in my life, deep stuff that had to be addressed. Um, so it wasn't comfortable. So it didn't change overnight. Uh, I was still trying to keep hold of control over things and uh, not really letting God have his way in my life. So I came and I went from Battelle. I eventually came back at the beginning of this year to Battelle. And Jesus completely won me over. Amazing. Completely won me over. Yeah. You know, I, I finally, finally, after years of wrestling with God, finally took my stubborn hills from out of the ground, mm -hmm. you know, and just surrendered to God, accepted God's will over my life, you know, surrendered to him. And what a breath of fresh air. What a breath of fresh air. You know, he gave me all the things that he promised. You know, I, I, I face things daily with so much peace and all the struggles we go through. I've just got Jesus in my heart. and Amazing. Yeah, he's just a such, such a good God. And where would we be without him? Yeah. Truly, where would we be without him? He, he saved me from so much despair. I've got back everything I lost. You know, me and my dad are, are better than we ever were. Amazing. Such a great relationship. Uh, me and my son, we're close, you know. Um, my, my, all my family, they want to know me. They, you know, and that's all because of Jesus, you know. No one but Jesus. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening. And, and, you know, 
God is so good. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing. It's great to be a part of those transformed lives in our own small ways. And uh, I loved, again, what was said by both of them, that it's about relationship. It was about being empowered, like a, a relational God. The big model of Battelle is so much about relationship, getting alongside each other, supporting each other, and then through being empowered and having your life changed by God. And the third point is abundance. We're going to just read from verse 12 where it says, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. So once everyone had eaten enough, once everyone had had what they wanted, there was still food left over. Now, there was something that probably looked a bit like this. These are pita breads. They're not small barley loaves, but I couldn't find those in the co-op. So um, we've got here five pita breads. Now, this fed along with two fish. I didn't bring the fish because I thought it might smell. But um, this fed 15,000 people. This and two fish. 15,000 people. And uh, so I thought about how many of us are here today. And there's roughly, I just count you all, there's roughly around 70 of us here today. And uh, I thought, so what does that look like in proportion? So in proportion, this is kind of like what Jesus held up. This is how much bread would go around 70 people. This is how much bread went around 15,000 people. Because there's not 15,000 of us here today, but that's a proportion of what fed everybody. And they had enough. And there were 12 baskets left over from this. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? I love that we serve a God that doesn't have a scarcity mindset. He's an abundant God. There was food left over. There was more food left at the end after everyone had had a feast than when they started. There was 12 baskets, one basket for each disciple that doubted that there would be enough. Even when we doubt, God can perform miracles. So if our God can make a meal, a feast for 15,000 people out of five small loaves and two fish, we don't need to worry that he's going to provide enough for us, do we? He's an abundant God, a God of abundance. So the points we've looked over today are blessed. We take what we have, we put it into the hands of Jesus and we ask for it to be blessed. And then we're empowered to be part of the miracle. We're empowered to get involved relationally with God. And we have and serve an abundant God who has no scarcity mindset, who goes above and beyond whatever we could ask or imagine. And this is really important for us as we think today about our offering. And I'm just going to ask us some questions this morning, some things to think over before we take up our Make a Difference offering. Where do you need to believe for the blessing and abundance of God? And how can you partner with him to outwork his miracles? Where do you need to believe for the blessing and abundance of God, whether it's in your life, whether it's in this country, whether it's in this world, where do you need to believe for the blessing and abundance of God and how can you partner with him to outwork his miracles? 
You see, when God transforms lives, he awakens more resources within the community for them to keep his work going. We've seen that in our passage. God was doing a great work. Jesus was teaching people. People came, they wanted to carry on the teaching, but they needed a resource. They needed food. And so God provided a resource and he worked with the people there to provide that, to keep his work going. We see that in the stories that we've heard today from Patel. As people's lives are changed, they then help other people change their lives. There's a resource awoken within that community. And then in Ethiopia, as people put away their pennies and save some money, and then they see their lives changed and their people in their community's lives changed as well. So how can we be more like our friends in Ethiopia and Batel and more like the boy in the story that we've read today? How can we be more like them? You see, the ironic thing is that if the boy had actually said, well, I tell you what, I'll give you four loaves. I'll keep one to myself and I'll keep half a fish. And then you guys can share that because I want to make sure my needs are met first. He, He would have ended up with less food. If he tried to keep some to himself, he would have ended up with less than if he gave it all to God and let God multiply it. And what can we give into the hands of Jesus to be blessed? What do we already have that we can give into his hands to be blessed? What do we as a church have, as a local church, that can be blessed by Jesus? And in what way have you already been empowered to outwork miracles? What miracles are you already given the skills to outwork? What ways can you partner with God to outwork the miracles? What's he already asked you to do? And then finally, what will we, Alive Newark, bring today and place into the hands of Jesus to be blessed, to support our partners, our brothers and sisters through our Make a Difference offering? Because whatever we have, whether it's big, whether it's small, we're part of something together as a community. We're a community of believers believing for better here in Newark, in our country and in our world. We believe that there is better. And today we have the opportunity to give our part to God, to ask for it to be blessed. And then we get to see the miracle unfold. Now, our overall target today of money that we want to raise in Newark is £6,000. And that work is going to go towards Battelle, towards Ethiopia, but also towards butterflies and also towards this work that we want to get into with Magnus, this partnership work that we believe is so important. We want to be connected to this community here. Now, £6,000 is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But when we start to break that down we can see that actually it's much more, it's much easier, much more manageable. So if we put the next slide on, we've got some handy breakdown here for you. So if 20 givers were pledging 300 pounds, that's 25 pounds per month, that would get us to our target. If 30 givers were able to pledge 200 pounds, that's 16 pounds and 67 pence per month. Again, we would reach our target. Once we start to break that down, we just see how much more manageable that becomes. If 50 people here today were able to pledge £120, that's £10 per month, again, we would reach that target of £6,000. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.